a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. When we look at ourselves and the situation of the world, uh, God is certainly there, but He's hidden there. He's not seen there. He's not. He, he hasn't put Himself there to be found. Where He puts Himself to be found is on the cross. That's where we know that He loves us. So we can just as well undo God's love for us as we can go back in time and pry the nails out of Jesus' hands. We can just proclaim God's Word, trust it will do what it says it will do, and no longer be be judging the effectiveness of the, of the preached word by human standards of measurement, by by the number of people that are there, but but rather to just do what God told us to do, to preach the word and administer the sacraments. Ch- Charles Finney could have possibly had the ugliest face of any theologian, <laughs> except for Brian Wolfman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome to another edition of Table Talk Radio. Hello. Hey, I had something very fascinating happen. I was listening in to the uh, Easter service at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, and uh, something very fascinating happened because most people at most churches, uh, the pastor says, he is risen, and everybody responds, he is risen indeed. But at Hope Lutheran Church, they say, he is shaven, he is shaven indeed, alleluia. <laughs> <laughs> oh brother, it's true. I finally don't have this uh, this furry cat sitting on my face anymore. God oh, be and everyone rejoices. Oh man, I am okay. de-bearded. <laughs> That's right. Oh, hallelujah! All right. Hey, I do have some other good news. You know, we got Easter. Uh, we got the good news of Easter, and uh, and I got one other point of good news here. I got our Kirk Cameron fan page update. I wanted to get to right away. Is this now, <laughs> no way compares to the good news of Easter? But go ahead. We do have the uh, we do have the fan page, uh, Table Talk Radio fan page. It's on Facebook, and you can go and be a fan there. We we're up to three hundred and fourteen fans. Uh, Kirk Cameron is up to fifty four thousand. 593 fans, meaning that we are 54,279 fans down, <laughs> which is about a 1,000 more oh, than no. we were last week. But but here's the good news. I, I, I did a little uh, a number crunching here, and I did the rate of growth, the percentage of growth in our fan oh, sites. Oh, man, and so this is Kirk, disgusting. <laughs> Kirk Cameron's fan page had 2.1% growth in this last week. Uh, Table Talk Radio, on the other hand, had 12.9% growth, which means we're on track. If we keep going at this rate, of growth, I think somewhere around the year oh, no. two thousand one hundred two thousand one hundred fifty or so, we are going to surpass this. So the goal is in sight. Keep going, guys. Keep going. You are worse than church consultants. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Holy cow! Oh man. Uh, what's not being said here is three hundred of our three hundred and fourteen are fabricated accounts. But oh well. <laughs> <laughs> I know we have a we have about uh, we have about ten fans on our f- uh, Facebook page for every one listener, or maybe more. It's maybe like <laughs> twenty fans per listener. Oh man, yeah. that's bad. All right, well we do have a Table Talk Radio show in store for you today, and it begins with buzzwords, and then we're going to play some. I guess you have some sort of an Easter game, but yeah, uh, yeah, a new some, secret game for you, a top secret game that Pastor Wolfman invented uh, during the introduction of this show. Yep. Um, and then which ladder? I have something very special in store for us for which ladder. Um, it's a sermon by Bill Hybels preached on Easter Sunday. And I think the title of the sermon is How to Climb Two Ladders by Saying Ladder Climbing is Wrong. 
Um, and then, <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> this, I'm excited for that. Uh, and then Ten Commandments of the News via our Facebook page, I assume. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I don't have to do any show prep now that we have our fan page. <laughs> so you just say, "Hey guys, what, what should we play on on Monday when we record?" It's exactly right. <laughs> oh, that's no. exactly what I said. I said, "Hey guys, on uh, Monday we're going to do Ten Commandments in the News," and plow, I got seven news stories here. All and yet you out. are you are exactly like the church consultants. I mean, there's no difference between uh, you and, and them. Okay, explain that. Uh, because you're appeasing whatever the people want. Oh, <laughs> I'm meeting felt needs. Yes. Oh man, well the fans should appreciate that. <laughs> All right, so be Table it. Talk Radio, where your felt needs are met. <laughs> Is that one of our bumps? Don't we have that one yet? It should be. Should be. All right. Well, uh, I guess we can do our buzzwords. Um, I have. I, I'm going off of your little tactic here of using Latin buzz phrases. Oh, uh, man. I hope you don't use mine. It's also Latin. <laughs> I have vita passivia, which means uh, the receptive life. And. Uh, I just have a little a little quote from Oswald Byers' Theology the Lutheran Way to help explain this. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Theology is practical in the sense that it is experience. It is the experience that we encounter in meditation as we listen and learn by engaging with the biblical texts in prayer and in context of spiritual attack. In this experience, God is active is the active subject. He works at shaping and molding us, and we are the passive recipients who suffer who undergo his work. For that reason, Luther calls theology the receptive life, or uh, vita passivia. You know, this reminds me of this uh, book that we have, Grace Upon Grace, Spirituality for Today, by this uh, by our friend Dr. Kleinig. Uh, this marvelous text, and he talks about this, what he calls a receptive spirituality. In other words, we're on the getting end of God's gifts, and this is where our our spiritual life begins and ends. It's uh, it's the whole sum of it is being, um, is being the object of God's love and the recipient of his his gifts. That's really quite wonderful. All right, you have a buzzword for me. you sure, and it's right along the same theme. I have a buzz phrase. I'm I'm. This is three words, all Latin, and I'm going to give you 500 points for each of them. Uh, up to 500 points for each of them if you use them. Uh, one of them we've used before, but these are the three words. Oratio, meditatio, and tentatio. Uh, these are the Latin words for oratio, is is oration, is prayer. Meditatio is meditation, cons- uh, meditating on the Lord's word and considering it. And tentatio is, that's the word we had before, that means suffering or temptation, something like this. Tough one to translate. But our friend Dr. Luther said that these three things make a theologian. Oratio, meditatio, and tentatio. In other words, we pray, we meditate on the Lord's word, and we suffer. And in all of this, the Lord is teaching us his love and his mercy, his forgiveness, his grace, his very heart, the death and resurrection of Jesus, and and everything else. So, uh, what makes a theologian? Oratio, meditatio, and tentatio. Luther, by the way, derives all of this from Psalm 119, this huge monster psalm right in the middle of the Psalter. Uh, the the golden acrostic it's called because it has eight verses for each of the Hebrew letters and this huge the longest chapter of the Bible uh, all about the Lord's word and it teaches us these three things yeah, very much but I was just reading from Oswald Bayer too so there yes it is. there it is okay uh, so um, do you want to play your little Easter game oh yeah yeah so so this is the game for you this is this game is called put these things in the proper order. 
Uh, it's two rounds. There's uh, 10,000 points for each round here. And I'm going to read three things that happened after the resurrection of Jesus, and then you got to put them in the proper order, right? The first one's going to be kind of easy. Oh, yeah, so uh, 10 points for the first round, the easy round. And then uh, 10,000 points for the round two. That's the more difficult round. Okay? Okay. All right. Uh, uh, first incident, Jesus appears to the ten disciples, minus Judas and Thomas, and shows them his hands and his side. He breathes on them and sends them out to forgive and retain sins. Okay. Second incident... After hearing the report of the women uh, and Peter and John, Clopas and another disciple leave Jerusalem, travel to Emmaus, and on the way they see Jesus. And the third incident, Peter and John return from the tomb, uh, and the women waiting there report the... Oh, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, that's right. This is what, uh, it's Peter and John return home from visiting the empty tomb. Okay, so those are your three incidents. Now put okay. them in the proper chronological order. So I have Jesus arriving to the atten- uh, appearing before the ten, ten um, apostles. Um, Jesus on the road to Emmaus to the disciples, and then Peter and uh, John returning from the tomb. And you said uh, Thomas is included in that ten, right? Nope, Thomas is not. Oh, Thomas okay. is not excluding Thomas and, and Judas. Judas, right? Okay, so. Um, Hmm. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to put... Uh, was this the easy round? Yeah, yeah, this is easy. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You, try, you think I'm trying to trick you? I do, kind of. No. Um, no, no, I'm not. Okay, so... Uh, Peter and John... I'm trying to think of my Easter chronology because uh, Peter and John... Returning from the uh, from the empty grave would have been after hearing it from from the women, right? So that uh, the women uh, on the, on the in the Emmaus road would have to be first. Now, now remember, it's Clopas and the other disciple on the Emmaus road, and they leave after hearing the report of the women. That's true. Oh, didn't you say? Oh, okay. Um, Okay, read your your second event one more okay, time. Okay, I'll give them all very simply to you. Uh, Jesus appears to the twelve, or to the ten, minus Judas and Thomas. The second incident is uh, Jesus appears to the uh, to the two disciples on the Emmaus road, and the th- and the third incident is uh, Peter and John return from the empty tomb. Okay, so I'm going to put uh, um, re- returning from the empty tomb first, and mm-hmm. then Jesus appearing before the ten, and then the Emmaus road third. Oh, very good guess, but... Eh. Hey, can you go, to give yourself that little buzz? Oh, eh. uh, yeah, I can. <laughs> <laughs> I can vicariously buzzed you just then. So, so the way I think we have to work it out is that... Um, uh, is that Jesus appears to the twelve to the ten after he appears on the Emmaus road, uh, because the two run back and then that's precisely when they are reporting it and then Jesus appears to them again. Ah, very good. Yeah. Uh, is, yeah. is there a is there a place people can find these events listed on one single sheet? Yeah, there is a chronology of Easter events. We'll we'll post it on our uh, webpage. Huh? All right, we'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. This is Dr. Carl Fikencher, professor at Concordia Theological Seminary. 
Table Talk Radio is my favorite illustration for the fall of man. We are, we are climbing, climbing Jacob's ladder. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We're going to be doing. <laughs> This mute button comes in pretty handy. All right, we are going to. Uh, <laughs> I'm totally which wrecking ladder. all of your bumps, you know, because you, we're supposed to be playing which ladder, and I got this Easter chronology game. All right, let's get to it then. Yeah, this is the reason why this is important is because you, when you look at all four of the gospels after Jesus is resurrected, everybody is running everywhere. It's and it and uh, our friends, the atheists, love this business because they think they find a lot of contradictions in what's happening in all of the different accounts. So we put we do have a chronology of Easter events or the events that followed after the resurrection. Uh, and we're going to have that on our website. It's on our, I know it's on Hope-Aurora on our church website there. You can find it. Okay, three more events for you to put in order, and this is worth 10,000 points. All right. Okay, Peter and John leave where they're staying to investigate the empty tomb. All right. Okay. Second event, Mary Magdalene remains in the garden and speaks to the angels, and then Jesus appears to her. And the third event, Mary Magdalene, upon seeing the open tomb, runs back to Jerusalem and reports that the tomb is empty. Oh, nice. Okay. Was it Mary Magdalene and the second one, too, remaining in the garden? Yep, yep. Okay, so we have Mary Magdalene in the second and third events. In the second one, she is remaining in the garden to talk to Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And the third one, she sees the open tomb and then runs. Mm-hmm. So the question is, does she immediately run to get uh, Peter and John and tell the other disciples, or does she stay and then run? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I will put... Um, hmm. Hmm. I'm... Uh, hmm, hmm, hmm. Hmm. This is worth hmm. 10,000 points. 10,000 points. <laughs> okay. Let's put... Uh, um. The last one you said first, that she, she, that she uh, sees the open tomb. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'm going to say that she tells the apostles, so Peter and John come investigate. That's the second one. And the third one is she remains in the garden to talk Ooh, to Jesus. You are right, Evan. 10,000 right. points. Youch. Man, you have one-fifth the number of points that Kirk Cameron has fans on his Facebook page. <laughs> a little bit less. Now, uh, this is right now, so the important, this kind of is a good piece to fit it all together, is that Mary Magdalene goes with the other women early in the morning, but as the way to sort this out is as soon as she sees the empty tomb, she turns and runs and goes and finds Peter and John, who were saying somewhere different than the other disciples. The other women that stay for a little longer speak to the angel. So Mary Magdalene doesn't see the angel at first, uh, but the other women do. Then they leave, and then they cross as Peter and John are on their way. They get to the empty tomb, and Mary's following after them, presumably. And they see the empty tomb. There's no angels there, but they disc- discover the Shroud of Turin, you know, and all this stuff. And then they leave. And then Mary kind of lingers in the garden by herself, and the angel appears to her, and then Jesus himself appears to her. And that's the first appearance 
of our Lord Jesus. Then Jesus appears to the women on the on the road, the other women who had left on the road. Then he appears to um, the Emmaus disciples, then maybe to Peter by himself, and then to all ten gathered together. Uh, and then... Uh, uh, and then again the next Sunday when Thomas is there doubting Thomas. So all this chronology is sorted out. You guys can enjoy it for yourself. Chronology of Easter events, tabletalkradio.org. You can find it there. Right. Okay, now we need to play Witch Ladder. All right. And, uh, Pastor, uh, as briefly as you can, you want to describe what these letters are and how this game works? Oh, yeah, yeah. Who wrote this book uh, that we have? Adolf Caberly, The Quest for Holiness, who does this marvelous thing in the beginning where he says that all man's religions are one of three different ways, or a combination of the three different ways, to get access to God or to perfection or something like this. And he calls them the three ladders by which man tries to storm heaven. They are the ladder of the will, good works, moralism. The ladder of the emotions, this is called uh, a spiritual experience, that's called mysticism. And the ladder of the mind, sorting everything out, that's called rationalism. So the ladders of moralism, good works, mysticism, experience, and uh, rationalism, the mind. All right. Now, Bill Hybels, the pastor, I think, at Willow Creek um, up in the Chicago suburbs, uh, he preached this sermon on Easter morning, and uh, he uh, has these ladders set up on stage and then everyone who walked in the door gets this little miniature ladder, okay? So everyone's holding this little ladder. And then he, he talks about, first of all, he goes through the history and all the stats of ladders. You know, you know how they, they have all these stats, like you know, what percentage of people fall off ladders and all this stuff. Um, and then uh, he gets into the story about how he was on an airplane talking to a, a businessman, uh, talking about uh, how good you have to be to get to heaven. And this is the first part of his sermon. So I... I took a pen and our dinner napkin, we were somewhere over Kansas by now, and I drew a ladder on this napkin, and it was sort of like the one that's behind me right now. I drew it very tall, and I called it the morality or the goodness ladder, and at the very top, I just wrote the word God, because God is perfect and holy, all righteous, all good. So what I said to this guy was, if, if we're in a world that's led by a perfect, righteous all moral God. I said, the question is, how good, what rung of the ladder do you have to get to to be acceptable to that God? All right, so that's the first part. Uh, do, you, do you think Bill Hybels read Adolf Caberly's uh, book here, Quest for Holiness? I don't know. This is, this is really quite something that you <laughs> found this for the game Witch Ladder. <laughs> yeah, well, and then uh, you know, this, this gentleman uh, you know, puts himself on the ladder, and then Bill Hybels proceeds to ask him, uh, okay, who's the most moral person that you can think of? And the, and the guy says, uh, Mother Teresa. Okay, so we'll put Mother Teresa on the ladder. And then uh, Billy Grant, put him on the ladder. Okay, there's there. And then I'm Bill Hybels. Where, <laughs> where would I be on the ladder? And so they have have all these guys on the ladder. And then little, uh, they have little faces of people on uh, there, little like well puppets or something. In in the sermon, he has this huge ladder set up on stage, and he has these big like name cards that he puts on the rungs of the ladder. Man, oh and, man, and this he's, is really almost too... Per- Did you call him and ask him to do this? <laughs> no, I didn't. Hey, we got this game, which ladder do you want to play? <laughs> but this this is what Bill Heibel says um, about how we all fall short of the ladder and what the whole purpose of the ladder is in Christianity. What differentiates biblical Christianity from every other religion in the world is that when God establishes this ladder of morality and sees that we have fallen short, instead of staying at the top and just sort of being above it all and 
telling people who have fallen short that they have to climb ceaselessly and not just in this life. Some religions say that you, you don't get to the top, but you get another life in which you climb and then another life in which you climb and you spend eternity in lives climbing. Instead of that whole approach, God does something. The God of the Bible does something that no other God of any other major world religion does. Catch your breath now. Here's what God does. God sees you in your need and he comes down the ladder step by step in the person of Jesus Christ and meets you at the point oh, no. of oh, no. your need. No, no, don't say that. Ah! <laughs> okay, I'm going to pause this right here. Oh, what, what, what are you screaming about? <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was just so close to being fantastic. <laughs> and then and then he comes. He only comes as far down the ladder as you need him to. You know, you climb the part way up. And then, and then you, this is, oh, man. Oh, this, this, I was, I was sweating bullets here thinking, I can't believe that Bill Hybels became a Lutheran. I mean, then most people become Lutherans on Good Friday, not on Easter. And, but here on Easter, he's become a I can't believe it. But then, oh, so th- this is the, this, the, if you, if you have, now this is the, if you have us and Jesus on the same ladder, then you do not have the distinction between law and gospel. I mean, mm-hmm. that's really clear. Uh, th- th- this is the whole point of, uh, really, this is where Luther differs from when he breaks from Roman Catholicism, is it's a continuum, you know? So so you could climb a little, and Jesus, you climb up a little, and God climbs down a little, and then he carries you the rest of the way, or, uh, what does this line in Second Nephi in the Book of Mormon say? Ah, that, yeah. That... That uh, by grace you are saved. Uh, after all you can do, you know, same sort of thing. We're on the ladder. We go as we climb as high as we can, and then and then Jesus comes down to us to to finish up the rest of the work, or or he puts us on the ladder, and then we just got to finish or whatever. But it's, if you have just one ladder, and you and Jesus are on the same ladder, and he's not climbing all the way down to the depths of hell where we are because of our sin, then it is not the gospel. Right. Okay. Let I'm me. I'm gonna f- go get my book of Mormon. Okay. I'm gonna play the rest of this. Christianity. There's nothing like it in the world. The Bible says in Philippians two, Jesus Christ, who was equal to God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he left heaven, and he came down rung by rung, and he put on human flesh, was born in a stable, and walked terra firma and was amongst those people who all felt screwed because we had fallen short. What did he just and he say? And he taught them. <laughs> and he loved to say them. stuff like that. He, he was quoting the guy that, he, that on the airplane, that's what he said, so now he's using the same words. Oh, and then came a point where he died. Was he doing it, wait, was he doing a critical them. event on the airplane? Yes, a critical event on the, that the airplane. That's a setup? Yes. Why do these preachers, all these talk about all the people? I, I, you, you, when, so you know that the normal person, when they get onto an airplane, are praying. Please, Lord, don't let me sit down to to some sort of fancy preacher who doesn't have a parish, <laughs> because, because I'm going to be in their sermon. <laughs> that's you think that's true? <laughs> so this guy is is uh you know listening to a sermon online saying that's me. What's he preaching about me? For? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no. All right, we're gonna. Uh, Finish up listening to Bill Heidel's sermon. In fact, I'm going to write a colic that I don't get next to a TV preacher on the airplane for our Facebook page. Right, right back. Step by step, one by one. I 
Radio. For those who have tried everything else to get a good night's sleep. We can dance if we want to. We can leave your friends behind. Because your friends don't dance. And if they don't dance, well, there's no friends of mine. <laughs> Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Wait, we bumped out with, uh, who was that? Um, um, oh, I forgot it now. Climbing Jacob's Ladder. And then now, who is that coming into? Genesis? Or uh, no. I, I have, by the way, Second Nephi here. Second okay. Nephi, chapter 25. Uh, I don't know who, who's writing this, apparently. I don't know if this is Angel Mor- Moroni or... <laughs> But here it says, uh, For we labor diligently to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. For we know that it is by grace that we are saved. After all we can do. Oh, there it is. All right. Uh, the bump in, the, I guess the bump out was Huey Lewis and the news. And uh, No, no, that was a bump in, a step by step. One by one. Oh, yeah, bump out. Yeah, yeah. and then we came back in with Safety Dance by Men Without Hats. So there you go. <laughs> Give credit where credit is due. I guess so. Now, the reason why this the second Nephi verse comes up is because Bill Hybels is, is, is talking about the astonishing thing about Christianity is that Jesus comes halfway down the ladder of morality to meet us there. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Right. Yeah. And well, you were telling me on the break that I'm going to get even more work done because it gets better. <laughs> Well, the next couple clips, uh, he apologizes about having to explain some theology, and uh, this, is, uh, this is the theology he describes. Here's the first concept. It's called substitutionary atonement. Would you say it with me, all vo- everybody together? Substitutionary, substitutionary atonement. atonement. When you find yourself near the bottom of a ladder, and you've got he all can, kinds get of sins and wrongdoings all stacked up, your intuition says, I'm going to climb my way out of them, and you can't. And Jesus meets you where you are, and he says, here's what we'll do. I will take your place, and all of your sin will come on my shoulders, and I will substitutionarily atone for your sin. I'll pay your fine." Okay, that's the first of two theological terms. Do you want to comment on that? Uh, uh, I, sorry, I was busy composing oh. this collect that the Lord would not give me a seat <laughs> next to a radio preacher on my next airplane. Oh, sorry, right. television preacher. You comment, though. Okay, well, I mean, he, he articulates a substitutionary <laughs> atonement uh, okay, except that, again, he uses this language of, of Jesus just meeting us where we are, uh, and, and by that implying the, the rung and the ladder that we've reached so far. Whereas the reality is that we aren't even on the ladder. We're lying under the ladder while the ladder is choking us. Yeah, that's is, right. Is the ladder crushes us. It destroys us. It falls on top of us. It, uh, uh, it gives us bad luck because we walk underneath it. All of these sorts of things. It does not help us uh, reach any sort of anywhere. That's crazy. But, it's, I mean, it's great. It's actually kind of nice to hear a guy talking about substitutionary atonement. Yeah, well, here's imputed righteousness. Oh, good. So that's the first concept. You got it? Substitutionary atonement. One more, and then you'll, you'll have the goods. The second one is called imputed righteousness. Will you say it with me? Imputed, imputed righteousness. righteousness. <laughs> Once your sins are substitutionarily atoned for, your wrongdoing is out of the way. That's a great thing. Now there's no debt against you. But what about the lack of goodness 
What about the fact that you'll never be righteous or good enough to attain to God's level? The scriptures say that Jesus saw that even though our sins were gone, that we'd never be good enough. And so he imputes his righteousness to our barren account and fills us up all the way up to a level that is acceptable to God. Hmm. Imputed righteousness. Hmm. So, listen closely. I'm listening. When God sees you, (laughs) after you've trusted Christ His Son, He sees you as having done no wrong, because your sins have been atoned for, and He sees you as someone fully righteous, because Christ's righteousness has been imputed to you, which makes you acceptable in His sight on the merits of Christ, and you, at that point, get this, can once and for all lay your ladder down. Oh, that's good. All right. Hey, that's nice. Okay, you like that? I like that. I like that. Okay, well, I do like it. State now, just so should we say? I, I have a feel. I have a bad feeling. <laughs> so what he should have just said, Amen. Amen. <laughs> Class dismissed. <laughs> All right, the show well, is over. Go listen to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> we have another clip, and uh, I, I must. We must warn the listeners: if you have children listening, they are susceptible to emotional manipulation. Uh, you might want to move them away from the radio. Okay. Um, if, if, if we were doing the uh, how to tell if you're being emotionally manipulated by Bill Hybels, um, this, this would not fare well. But this Off is, the charts. This is uh, where he's talking about when he was traveling and he was in Jerusalem at a hotel room in Jerusalem uh, while his mother was on his deathbed. And this, this is uh, what he says. And then all of a sudden oh, the I of my mother, half a world away. <laughs> Within a short period of time, she was going to find out if the whole thing was real. She was going to find out. And just the convergence of sensitivity toward my mom and being in Jerusalem and that song happening. I got on my knees in the hotel room there and just kind of laid my ladder down again. You know, just said, I need you, God, in my life. I need your atonement. I need your imputed righteousness I need the power of your resurrection someday I need you to help my mom it's quite an experience I finished that trip two days later I flew from Amman, Jordan to Kalamazoo, Michigan had one final coherent conversation with my mom she died three days later never fearing death that woman never fearing death She had laid her ladder down. So what we're going to do as we close this service is we're going to have Becky sing the very song that I heard in the hotel room that night. You're going to love it. But I want you to be holding your ladder, if you would humor me. Would you grab your ladder and would you hold your ladder while this song is being sung? Because at the end of this song, we're going to ask you to do something with your ladder. We're either going to ask you to, to, you got one of two choices. We're going to ask you to hang on to it because if that's what your hope is in, you're climbing your ladder. You're going to go solo, independent, into your future, into your eternity. Well, that, you better hang on to that ladder. 
If at the end of this service you would like to make the other choice where you would lay your ladder down and just go, you know what? I'm screwed and I can't fix it myself. And I'm going to turn to Jesus Christ today, Easter 2010, and I'm going to ask him to be my substitutionary atoner and the imputer of righteousness to me. That could happen today. It could happen right after this song. So listen with open ears as Becky sings. All right. Now, we have, we have uh, two and a half minutes left in this segment. Uh, before we talk about the ladder, uh, the ladder's being climbed, um, there, there's really a, an, a major theological error in this that he said that the potential, potentiality of, this, of these realities happening, that one can be atoned for uh, if they do this. And so now Jesus, yeah. Jesus' sacrifice for the atonement of all sin of the whole world is now not hinged upon something outside of you, something hinged upon something that he did out of love, that 2,000 years ago this historical reality actually brought this spiritual truth to you. But now all this rests upon this moment and that you must do the right thing in order to reap the benefits of this. If you're going to be forgiven, if you're going to be atoned for, if you're going to get the imputed righteousness of God, you must then do this. And and this is what's so terrible about what we call decision theology is that it, it takes everything away of the gospel and puts it all back on the law. It is. This is a very subtle but very also important point that you make there, Vicar, and that is that uh, – uh, that Jesus, he said, we you can ask Jesus to be your substitu- substitutionary atonement, and this is, and the and the implication there is that he isn't, yuck, until you ask him, and this is bad, very very bad, because it now is, I mean, uh, look, the the sermon can be summarized like this: Look, you're all curved in on your good works. But now you got to be all curved in on what you're asking Jesus to do. I mean, it's it's all about the the self, and 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 it and it makes it makes getting off the ladder of morality an act of our own will, which is just I mean, the irony of this sort of thing. I mean, you you're you're putting your I mean I don't know how many people are going to be walking out of there with their ladders pinned to their chest. <laughs> I, was I mean, of course everyone's going <laughs> <laughs> but of course, everyone's going to throw down their ladder, and then they're going to think because I did this work, because I laid down my ladder, I don't, I have to worry about. <laughs> I'm so good because I'm not trying to be good. I mean, it's oh man, what a bit of a mess. I, I pulled open, by the way, that how to tell if you're being emotionally manipulated by the youth speaker, the very handy checklist on mm-hmm. tabletalkradio.org, and uh, background music for the for the prayers. I think that counts. Mm-hmm. Speaker talks about the death of a loved one. Check. Um, merchandise sales, no. Speaker cries, yes. You, they have you repeat after them. We did that. Mm-hmm. Um, so incessantly quotes incessantly from pop culture movies. There was nothing that. But uh, this has got this was pretty good. This was pretty well done here. So. All right. Where's the end of the segment? Yeah. So the show's not over, is it? I, no, we have one more segment. So oh, don't good. worry, we have uh, one more segment of Table Talk Radio in which we'll play Tick Mammoth in the News. Uh, but right, right away at the beginning of this next segment, we talk about any ladders that Bill Heibel climbed in this sermon. Don't go away. More Table Talk Radio. Visit our website, tabletalkradio.org, for these charts and articles and everything else. We're right back.
ask me why, but you've been listening to <laughs> Table Talk Radio. You know, that song reminds me of The Matrix. Is that song in the movie The Matrix? Uh, I think it is. And you know what also no, reminds me of The Matrix? Yeah, yeah, it is. In the, and also reminds me of that is wearing my cassock on Good Friday. Because he's wearing, walking around in, like, trench coats or something like that? Yeah, the, the big black trench coat uh. sort of thing. Hey, you're listening to Table Talk Radio. Um, <laughs> we need to play Tink Mammoth in the news, but first, uh, Pastor, which ladders uh, might, yes. might Bill Heidel be climbing in the sermon? This is now look, I think I want to first of all laud Bill Hybels for giving this a shot. I mean, saying the 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 ladder of morality cannot succeed. You cannot climb all the way to heaven. It you you cannot be good enough to please God. You cannot put yourself on this is one of the misuses of the law to put yourself up on a pedestal to please to please your neighbor to please God. It's just impossible. You can't do it. Lay down your ladder. At the cross. That's kind of, I mean, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. But there's a couple um, a couple pretty bad things in here. One is that the ladder, Jesus comes halfway down to meet us. Uh, and, and then this idea at the end that now you, you are going, you, you're going to work people up. You're going to have this emotional experience where you, where you lay down your ladder. Now, this kind of thing. Um, this really gets awfully close to the ladder that we call mysticism or emotionalism, to where you, now you're having this spiritual experience of having of having done something and and then therefore been close to God. You're surrendering. This is the language of surrender. Is always the language of um, of uh, of the ladder of mysticism, and I think that's the ladder that's uh, that comes up at the end. Yes, I think you're right. Okay, so Ten Commandments in the news. Oh, sure. Wait, what about some points for that? Mm-mm. Or am I on the via passivity? Oh, passivity, all right. Where I'd get no points. Um, I'll give you points. Uh, what do you want, 500 so for that? Wait. I'll give you 500 for the ladder and 500 for the buzzword. Um, so what's the score, Pastor? <laughs> ten millenniums to one millennium. <laughs> You've got ten millenniums. <laughs> All right, let's see uh, what kind of uh, articles and news reports that our listeners find on our Facebook page. Well, I got a couple here. Uh, BB, one from BBC News, Easter message by Wales Churches. Another from uh, LA Times, militia members charged with plotting to kill cops. And a third, uh, Russia's Medvedev promises crueler measures. Which one do you want? Uh, I'm interested about the Wales Easter sermons. All right, here you go. Stop me when you've heard enough. The Archbishop of okay, Wales. Stop. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the Archbishop of Wales. What commandment is that? Probably the second. The. Ah. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. I'll give you a little. <laughs> he said the proof God exists could be found in resurrection moments, like parents forgiving their child's killers. What? I'll, I'll give it to you again. The Archbishop of Wales said that proof that the proof God exists could be found in quote resurrection moments, like parents forgiving their child's killers. Okay. Uh huh. Well, 
I think that's clear, isn't it? I think I disagree. Um, oh, you what? Oh, you are just you are so sectarian. I know you Again. are so divisive. <laughs> disagree with the Archbishop of Wales? Uh, I, I'm am a vicar, so uh, I guess uh, <laughs> I, I'm fitting right in line with with uh, what vicars do, I guess. But um, proof of the resurrection um, in One's even such a great thing as uh, parents who have had their children murdered to forgive them. As great of great of a thing that is, it's not proof of the resurrection of Christ, because we don't prove Christ's resurrection by our works or our deeds. Now it is true that uh, should such parents forgive said killers. Um, that that forgiveness is 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 really only brought by the forgiveness of Christ. Um, that that uh, we were talking were we talking about this on the air on the phone when when uh, we were talking about uh, Luther's comments on uh, on the Lord's Prayer, uh, and, and and that that w- when we forgive each other, we for- forgive those who uh, sinned against us. That we can only do that because the forgiveness which we have from God. But even in doing that, we realize that we don't forgive our neighbor perfectly, and so we come running back to uh, to the forgiveness of which Christ gives us. Um, so anyway, that I think just because that preaching is wrong, um, that's a, a violation of then of the first commandment, of course. Uh, also, the second commandment: you, you shall not use my Lord's name in vain, um, and. Even the third commandment, because uh, it involves the, the preaching of the word. Yeah, that's right. One, two, and three right there. One, two, and three. Also, five is involved because someone killed your oh, child sure. for you to forgive them. Sure. Oh, here's the next line. You ready? This is like a list of all the different preachers in Wales. Apparently, there's one, two, three, four, seven different preachers in Wales. Oh, wow. The, <laughs> the Reverend Dewey Myerden Hughes... Of the Union Welsh Independence Churches spoke about the quote pointless and wasteful war in Afghanistan. <laughs> this was the Easter sermon. Yeah, yeah, of course. Hmm. Here, here's some more of, of about this sermon here on the bottom. Uh, he said the story of Easter combines two events: a cruel death followed by incredible hope for a new life. Cruelty and death dominate the news and headlines. The pointless and wasteful wars in Afghanistan shortly entering its ninth year while other stories of personal tragedy and human suffering abound. But the Easter story reminds us constantly that God, through Jesus Christ, is with us in our suffering. He understands our human condition with compassion. The good news of Easter is that God offers us hope, strength, and vision as individuals and as a nation, so much in need of hope and comfort. The death of our Lord Jesus and the resurrection uh, gives us hope, but not hope for some sort of a peace and war, but a, a hope of salvation, that we actually, uh, who deserve God's wrath and punishment to, to be thrown into the pits of hell to never be let out, are now given life, salvation, and forgiveness. This, this is what our Lord's death and resurrection gives us, the eternal life, the forgiveness of sins. Uh, and to, to take that... And and to use it as some sort of a, a a a blanket hope for whatever you want to be. I hope I get grilled cheese for dinner tonight. Um, <laughs> uh, is not an accurate preaching of the word. So again, we have one, two, and three, and five in this. Yes, there you go. Now I can't believe you didn't preach about grilled cheese on Easter. <laughs> 
Or I uh, do you didn't you didn't well, have something about the war in in Afghanistan in I, there? I was supposed to preach, but that sermon did not get approved by my uh, supervising pastor. <laughs> I don't know why. It's <laughs> kind of grumpy, like you apparently. <laughs> okay, I we have two is, minutes, I, two and a half up, minutes. Upbeat version. Okay, here's one more sermon. This one is uh, right on the edge here. This is from the moderator of the Presbyterian Church of Wales, the Reverend Gwenda Richards. Gwenda. Gwenda, G-W-E-N-D-A. All right, let's hear what Gwenda preached about. If I were to ask people on the street today, have you seen Jesus Christ, they'd think I'd totally lost the plot. Uh, and yet, I have a real experience of Christ's presence with uh. me since my childhood. He was a constant presence with us as a family at home, and through prayer and meditation, I can say I've spent much time in his company. The world has a right to expect solid leadership from Jesus Christ's church, and the right to... Uh, and the right, too, to see it reach the highest standard in services. So as we celebrate Easter this year, let us declare with joy that we have seen the Lord, and who's to say the world won't believe us? Um, okay. Luther had this, this great thing in the Reformation where he talked about uh, the enthusiasts. And uh, Luther maintained... <laughs> Luther maintained... That the way our Lord talks to us uh, is is only through two ways, through the Word and through the sacrament. That that God speaks to us His word of forgiveness of salvation, and He does that through the the Word, through the preached Word, and also through the sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And those who would say that they hear God, experience God. Um, talk to God or hear God talking to them outside of that, Luther called enthusiasts. Uh, and this is something that we need to maintain. And this is actually, uh, you know, it, it's funny that you, you talk to uh, general Protestants that, you know, aren't Lutheran or anything like that, but, but they, they usually accept the solos of the Reformation. If they have any knowledge of the Reformation whatsoever, they know what the solos are, they, they will accept them. But the actual teaching of Sola Scriptura applies to this, that we will not accept any authority apart from Scripture. So when someone says that I have some sort of experience with God and God has talked to me, they're claiming an authority outside of Scripture, and it's outside of Sola Scriptura. Uh, Pastor, give me the last word with about a minute left. Well, you know how the Scriptures speak of those of, of believing in the things that we have not seen. And this is one of the things. Uh, the faith is the is the conviction of things not seen. And it just so happens that we, even though Jesus uh, is not uh, appeared to us, we believe in him. Peter writes, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. So that so that our trust and faith in Jesus, uh, that, that is, is born in his resurrection on the third day from the grave, is a is a is a faith in the historical fact of his resurrection and ascension, and even though we do not now see him, uh, we wait for him, and we know that on the last day we will. Uh, he who is risen from the dead will call us from our own grave and from our own death, and will give to us the gift of his cross, his everlasting life. Amen. All right, thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. If you want to listen to the end of Bill Heibel's sermon, go to our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening. Happy Easter. You don't have a points joke? (laughs) Nope. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. 
Send your questions to question at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.